Well, hello again, everyone. This is Rico, back from Taiwan, safe and sound, back home. And this is Trex in Sci-Fi, show number 64 for July 23rd, 2006. It's been a while, gang, and uh, I'm really glad to be back and glad to be podcasting again once more. So let's get going. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trex in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, uh, it's been a while, everybody. Uh, as I said at the beginning, this is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, first uh, podcast I've done in about two weeks. I've been on a business trip in Taiwan for the last two weeks, got back uh, a couple of days ago, Friday late. Uh, well, late it seemed like to me, I guess. Uh, it was a very long, long trip back, probably was up about 30 hours straight approximately, but uh, overall, the trip went really, really well. I really enjoyed it. The uh, If you've been to the website lately, I've posted quite a few pictures up there via my Flickr account. And Taiwan was uh, quite the interesting place to be. First, I'd like to uh, say uh, thanks for everyone bearing with me for the last two weeks with no new real podcasts. I, I did post a few things, like I said, on the, on the website, some photos and couple of updates on the forums I put on there, but I was fully intending to try to record something when I was overseas in Taiwan just just to kind of stay in touch and, and that kind of thing, but it never really worked out. Most nights we would uh, work fairly late and get back to the hotel, get cleaned up a little and go out to eat, and, and by the time I'd get back to the room at night, it'd be like, okay, it's time to get some sleep, so... Never really had a chance to record much, and on the weekend, which was the time I thought we had one weekend in between work, we did we did quite a bit, and uh, I'm going to talk about that, I think, first here before we get to some sci-fi things. I'd like to always uh, also say that we are going to have some sci-fi topic this week. I'm not going to do a Star Trek episode. What I thought I would do later on this show after I get done talking about my trip and a little bit on email and some sci-fi news I'm going to do another uh, sci-fi TV show. I'm going to talk about some sci-fi shows from the past that I've enjoyed and maybe uh, get people, other people interested in the shows. They're, I think all the ones, maybe with the exception of uh, one of them today that I'm going to talk about, are all out on DVD now, so that'll make it a little easier. But let's talk about my uh, my trip to Taiwan. The interesting thing, well, a few things. Uh, the flights and things went really well. It's a really long trip over there from, uh, I live in the Michigan area, and it's, you first, uh, at least for me on this trip, you fly from, uh, I flew from Detroit to airport to to Japan to Osaka, and then another couple-hour flight from Osaka to Taiwan, to Taipei, actually, the capital, and then had to take about a two, two-and-a-half-hour uh, car ride to the area where I was going to be working in, in the hotel. So it was a uh, it was quite a long trip and pretty pretty tired by the time I I got there uh, it was I don't know maybe around midnight uh, you know there's a whole time change difference too from Eastern uh, daylight time or whatever it was about an even twelve hour difference it's pretty much halfway around the world 
to uh, to Taiwan. So it's you, you know whatever if it's nine o'clock in the morning here, it's nine p.m. at night that day in Taiwan and so forth. So I, w- I was pretty exhausted when I got there, but I, I got a pretty good night's sleep. And the next day I had to go into work and and get started on everything there. So didn't really have too much of a time to catch my breath until the weekend. I got there on a went on a a Monday but actually got there late Tuesday night and so was at work on Wednesday that week but uh, let me just give you some general impressions Uh, the work side of it went well I'm not going to talk too much really about that it's kind of uh, well for people not in the area that I work in it's it's a wheel company that works over there that we're trying to get some business with uh, so we'll just kind of leave it at that I guess but that went well the people at the company that we were working with were very nice and really uh, treated us well. Uh, let's just talk in general about the the culture and the food and and, and everything. For one, it's uh, it's it's really really as most people might know, this is an island off the coast of China, and it's it's near much more near the equator than than Michigan where I live, and it's very very hot over there and humid. It's uh, it's basically like working in a jungle. I mean, it's it would be ninety plus degrees each day. And about that much percentage of humidity, it would just you just go outside and the heat was like being in a sauna each day. It was uh, it was pretty intense. I sort of started to get used to it a bit. You just learn to drink a lot of water and, and, and things and you have to take it easy. You can't really do you don't want to do anything real strenuous outside and you sure don't want to be standing out in the sun for very long. Uh, actually, when I was over there, there was quite a bit of rain. There was a, a small kind of either whatever you want to call it, a typhoon or a tropical storm in the area. I think it hit other areas more than Taiwan, uh, the Philippines, I think a little bit more. It did hit Taiwan pretty good. We got a lot of rain for several days, lots and lots of rain. Almost every day it was raining uh, some portion of the day walked around a lot with an umbrella but uh it was uh it was quite an interesting trip i mean the the culture is so much different than than that in the united states and of course the language barrier uh, most people would were speaking chinese and which is which is really of course even european languages like spanish french italian i mean it chinese and, and asian type languages are just seem so much different from uh english but many of the people would speak a little bit of English. Most of the places we, we went to, restaurants and, and, and the hotel, a little, most people could, could handle a few words, and, and we could usually get our point across. But that was an interesting experience. I mean, I boy, I'll tell you, I would have liked to have the Universal Translator from, from Star Trek with me on this trip. It would have been uh, pretty helpful. But, you know, the, the, the people were very nice. I mean, we walked around the little city. We were in this city called uh, Dulio. Uh, I think that's how you say it. D O U L I O U. It's about mid midway down in 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 the country. The country itself is only the size of about the state of Indiana, but it has about I think I don't know six or seven times the population. Lots of people, of course. Uh, lots of little people are running around on scooters on the streets. You know they use those as a means of transportation just as much as cars. So lots of. Uh, Lots of gas-powered scooters scooting around through the city, and cars, and traffic, and people. And, you know, very, very busy, busy place. I live kind of out, out from the city, out more in the country, and it's so much more quieter where I live than, than the, you know, being in this city. And then we also visited on the weekend. Uh, we visited Taipei, which is the capital, which is a huge city. I think they have about three million people. And we went up, and actually, we we took a trip to. They are mainly to go up in the world's tallest building, 
uh, I think this building has almost 100 floors, 90-some floors, and you take an elevator up to an observation deck, and the elevator goes up like 90 floors in like 37 seconds. It's just amazing how fast it moves up. And you, it goes up so fast, even though it's a pressurized elevator, your ears actually pop just like they do on an airplane. So it's, but the, the, the sight, you know, from up there in the observation deck outside over, over the city is just incredible. I, again, I, I posted a few, few photos. Go to the treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com website and click on the Flickr gallery there. And there are a whole bunch of pictures from my trip that I posted up. So, uh, I took a bunch more than I posted even. I think I posted maybe a couple dozen pictures, but I took a few hundred pictures when I was there. But it'll give you a sense of things. Uh, but the people I found, you know, really, really nice. I mean, every place we went, people were very nice. I never felt, uh, you know, like, hey, look, you know, we were being uh, looked upon strangely because here are these, you know, crazy-looking, big, tall, you know, American people running around in a you know, a country full of, of Asian people. I mean, we stood out pretty well. I'm, I'm fairly tall, and, and the the guy I went with is, is relatively tall. I mean, but, you know, of course, we don't certainly don't look Asian and, and, and certainly did not uh, blend in real well, although a few places we went to, we ran into a few other Americans, Canadians. We saw some, we ran into some Canadian, uh, actually, English teachers in a little uh, cafe near the hotel one evening, which was kind of neat to... Uh, it's pretty obvious when you see somebody that's from, you know, the West, from America or Canada. I mean, they they stand out pretty good and usually kind of nod to each other and say, hey, how you doing, and and, and that. So it was kind of fun to, to meet somebody uh, from, from the West when you're over in such a, such a strange land. But, you know, it really just gives you a sense of, of how different, you know, the world is and how these how different different cultures are here. I mean... I'm very into, of obviously, from doing the podcast, Star Trek and science fiction and visiting strange new worlds, that kind of thing. And, you know, you don't really need to go to another planet to do that. I mean, there are countries that, like this one, for example, for Taiwan, which is, is you're almost running into things that are so strange to you. It would be almost maybe not that different than if you got plunked down on a, on a planet with a different culture. I mean, you don't speak the language. They look different than you to some degree. They eat slightly, well, quite a bit different foods than you do. There, we ate some things when we were over there that we we couldn't quite identify. We weren't sure what they were, but uh, it was uh, it was a great time. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I went to Germany last summer, and the culture there is not really that different. I mean, the language is a little different. The 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 German people were pretty nice, and, and but the uh, you know you don't really look that different than them, so you can kind of blend in a little bit more. But in in Asia, in in Taiwan, they, that just wasn't really possible. But I, I never really had a problem with with people, or everyone was just really really nice. I was very impressed with the country, the people. Uh, I have a new sense of of their their sort of manufacturing from from doing the work that I did too. I mean, I think Taiwan has always had this. Imp- sort of connotation with it that they make you know things that are kind of cheap and junky but i'll tell you there's a lot of companies that i saw and 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 dealt with a little bit over there that uh, i did not get that impression at all these people mean business and and they want to do good and they want to make good products so i i i got a newfound respect for that situation you know i think uh, the classic situation of if you buy something it has a little sticker on it that says made in taiwan i think a lot of times people think of it as is not so great 
but I I don't I think that's not so much true anymore. Maybe 10, 20 years ago it was a little bit, but these people want to be high tech. They want to be uh, in the business world. So uh, so what else? So the the food was very interesting. I, I even posted some photos of that up uh, on the website again. A lot of uh, they eat a lot of fish, of course, and rice. And I used chopsticks pretty much the whole time I was over there. Tried to tried the. We, we ate pretty much the local food. I mean, we did not go out of our way to try to find what, you know, quote-unquote uh, Western or, or American-type food. I think there was a McDonald's near the hotel that we were at that we ate at one day just because it was convenient. Uh, we ate, just kind of grabbed lunch there one day. I think it was over the weekend. But in general, we, we went out and, and ate in, uh, in Taiwanese restaurants. There was actually uh, a couple of them, different ones we tried. We would usually end up with a waiter that spoke a little English, and we could, you know, point to the menu or point to pictures in the menu and, and say certain words that they would recognize. We had a lot of fish, uh, some poultry, some chicken. Uh, they do a lot of duck over there, and it was uh, it was good. I, I really, I did not get sick at all. I, I didn't have any food that disagreed with me. The water actually seemed pretty good, uh, although they drink a lot of bottled water. You really have to drink a lot of water when you're over there because of the heat. It's uh, it's just you just got to keep drinking, even though you're not really that thirsty at the time. You you just got to keep drinking all the time, just because you're sweating so much if you're outside at all. So, uh, but the air conditioning in places worked real well, so that uh, that was good. Although we did have one evening where it went out in the hotel for just a short time, which well, that wasn't really that bad. It was only out for a small small amount of time, but I'm uh, I'm really really happy that I went. It was a nice long trip. I really felt like I got a I got a feel for the place, and it's uh, heck I wouldn't mind going back again sometime, which might be might happen for work. It's it's kind of hard to say right now, but uh, it was a definitely an interesting place, and it was uh, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it, and it was a long trip. I mean, I was very tired when I got back here on Friday. But it was good to be home and unpack and get settled in and kind of spent yesterday getting caught up on some things, a big pile of mail I got, uh, some new collectibles came in the mail, which I'm going to talk about later in the show. Uh, but it was great and, and getting caught up on some TV shows and things. But I think that's all I want to say about Taiwan. Uh, it was uh, it was a great trip. Uh, I, I really wish I would have had a chance to record something for the for the show, but I'm kind of doing that, I guess, now. I, I definitely, anyone, whoever would get the chance to, to visit Asia, visit uh, Japan or Taiwan, I, I, I highly recommend it. It's a great place. People are very nice, and I think you'd have a good time. It's The shops and the markets are around the hotel were just fascinating. I mean, they a lot of people would go out each morning and buy fresh food, fresh fish, uh, vegetables, fruit. Everything looked very, uh, you know, like it just got picked almost or, or caught. And, and it was definitely different than going down to your local supermarket and buying something that's in a plastic-wrapped uh, container that's been frozen for two months or whatever. So uh, so it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it, but it is good to, as they say uh, in The Wizard of Oz, it, it's there's no place like home, and it's good to be home. Uh, and it's good to be podcasting. So let's shift gears here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of emails, and then we'll talk about some other things. It's now time for some email on Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, on to a few emails. Ah, I only got a few emails while I was gone. I kind of answered some of them. I took a laptop computer over to Taiwan with me, so I tried to answer some. But here's one from uh, Andy Michaels. Rico, love the podcast. You do an amazing job. Well, thank you. I happened to listen to one uh, to the one for the TNG episode, The Inner Light, and I love the format. The episode happens to be one of my favorites, and to hear it with the commentary was awesome. Keep it up, uh, Andy. 
thanks a lot, Andy. Yeah, the whole uh, idea of doing the commentary, the full commentary with the episode running in the background, uh, I've done that now on a couple couple shows. I'm going to probably mix it up a little. I think I've said this a few times, but probably I'm going to do the full commentary on some Star Trek episodes and other ones I will... Uh, I'm just going to capture the clips and, and use... Uh, what I feel are appropriate moments in the episode and talk about them that way. So thanks for your uh, email, Andy. You got another uh, email here. This is from a female listener, Lisa. Lisa Wright. Uh, she says, Hi, Rick. First of all, let me wish you, wish you a safe trip to Taiwan. Well, thanks. Uh, it went well, as I've just talked about for a while. I hope you get some free time to enjoy yourself and do some sightseeing. I've been listening for about a month and a half now, and I've finally heard all of your episodes. I really enjoy the podcast, and I think you do a great job. The sound and format are first rate, and you have a great conversational style. I love sci-fi and fantasy. I'm basically a a big, or uh, excuse me, I am especially a big Trek fan. I grew up with reruns of the original series and watched every other Trek series since Next Generation is my second favorite. I liked Enterprise, and I don't think it was given a fair chance by the networks. Uh, the times and days it appeared in my area were constantly changing. It made it almost impossible to keep track of its airtime. As a result, I missed a lot of episodes in all of the last season. Uh, and again, uh, great job with the podcast. I look forward to many more. Sincerely, Lisa Wright. Well, thanks very much for that great uh, email, Lisa. I think I wrote you back uh, some comments. It's um, Yeah, Enterprise was getting moved around a, a bit in the time slot. I, I definitely would recommend, if you've missed some of the episodes, pick up the DVD sets, which I think of maybe dropped in price i'm not sure i i I think uh some of the star trek dvd sets have dropped down in price but especially i think it says in your uh you missed the last season which i feel of enterprise was one of the better seasons so definitely look for that and thanks uh thanks for your great comments lisa got an email here from uh david uh he's uh hey rico thanks for reading my email in your inner light podcast so i'm reading another one david this was one of my suggestions to you about doing that show. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. That was a great episode to suggest to uh, podcast about. My email you read last, I was amazed and you read it. Most of the emails you read seem witty, or should I say better grammar of the English language than me. This, uh, and let's see where, oh, and anyway, the Inner Light pod was the first one I listened to more than a couple times. The Inner Light was such a good TNG episode, and I, like I said in my previous emails, playing the whole Trek episode while talking over it is very entertaining. Uh, though I know you won't be doing that every time. Hope you're having a good time in Taiwan. It must be very educating to be able to travel halfway across the earth and stay for a time. Also, I hope you're able to digest the Taiwanese food. Can't wait till the 23rd. Thanks again, Rico David. Yeah, it was, uh, again, the Inner Lake. Great, great Star Trek episode. Great, uh, great episode to podcast about. And I really enjoyed doing that one uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, And I think that's about it for email. I got a few more uh Got a got one uh, that was rather lengthy uh, from Alejandro, so hi. I just give you a little shout out there, uh, and he had made some suggestions about some other sci-fi shows, TV shows, which uh, is sort of a good segue to this segment later on uh, in this uh, podcast, where I'm going to mention four sci-fi shows from the past that I think are are good and definitely worth seeing if you haven't had a chance to yet. But first, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about some sci-fi uh, news that's going on. First thing I want to hit on is Sci-Fi Fridays on uh, the Sci-Fi Channel have returned for, uh, at least in the United States, are rerunning on Fridays here now, or not rerunning, but are, are returned on Friday nights with Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. I've now seen the first two episodes of this new season, 
season 10, yes, for SG-1, and season 3 for Atlantis. Uh, they're, they're off to a good start, both of them. Both of them have big sort of enemies that they're dealing with right now. They have the Ori problem on SG-1, and they have the Wraith problem, constant problem that's been, I think, since Stargate Atlantis has started uh, on on Atlantis. I really enjoy both the shows. Uh, they, they, they are always fun to watch. It's... Uh, you know, they have great characters, the stories are well done, and I, I think they've really... The thing that's neat about SG-1 is they've managed to sort of rework themselves and sort of reinvent themselves every so often now with changes in the cast. You know, they have the couple of people from from Farscape on there, Ben Browder and Claudia Black, uh, are have been on now since last season. Claudia Black is now a regular, I guess, this year, and they, they do really well. He... Especially Ben Browder, I think, fits the cast and fits fits that uh, you know sort of Stargate uh, situation really well. I mean, he plays sort of a military pilot type guy, not too different from his John Crichton character on Farscape, which is which of course uh, is one of my all time favorite sci fi shows. And and I've talked about Farscape. I think I did a whole podcast on it. And hey, you know, if you're listening out there and you haven't seen Farscape, I mean, go out and rent some episodes because I'm telling you, it's it's a great show. But this is it's good, and and uh, of course the last uh, show of the Friday night uh, lineup on on Sci-Fi on the Sci-Fi Channel hasn't quite returned yet, but they teased us a little bit uh, with some preview clips, uh, and that of course is Battlestar Galactica that will be returning in October with its, I guess that'll be yeah its third season then that'll be starting up uh, in October, and that's going to be just amazing. I, I can't wait for that to start up again because that's just. It's one of the best shows on television. Not just a good science fiction show, but just a great TV show in general. So, so those are back, which is, uh, which is great. I, I'm really happy about that. Oh, I also wanted to mention, I, I did go out and manage to see, just before I left, actually, for Taiwan, uh, I went to see the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Dead Man's Chest. And it was pretty good. Uh, I've heard, you know, people have sort of had mixed feelings about it. It's making a ton of money at the box office. There's a lot of people that are going to see it. But uh, it's it, it's a good movie. It's certainly got a lot of fun action-adventure. And I think if you if you enjoyed the first one, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that you'll enjoy the second. It's, it's, a, it's a good follow-up. The only thing I think about these movies is, I, I don't know, I just, I think they try to put too much in them, too much... Uh, action adventure and i think they they end up a little too long almost because of it uh it's uh it, it's good it's definitely worth seeing and we're seeing in movie theater uh i still to me the top movie or the most uh, enjoyable movie at least for me this summer the one that i was really just just thought was wonderful and i've said before was superman returns that's still the the top one for me so far this summer but but pirates was a fun movie definitely uh definitely fun and definitely worth seeing if you it, if you definitely like that kind of movie and, and you like the first one, go see it. Yeah, there was an interesting thing uh, on, I, I believe you can see it on YouTube. It's uh, it's called like Star Trek Enhanced or whatever, and I'll try to put a link in the in the podcast notes about it. But if you do a search on YouTube, Star Trek Enhanced uh, or Doomsday Machine, what basically somebody did, uh, this person who works on uh, special effects, effects and cgi type stuff that did some work on the enhanced version of the first star trek motion picture they took an old uh, original star trek series episode the doomsday machine and replaced the some of the graphics the effects 
in the episode with with new CGI, sort of higher tech, uh, better looking, you know, shots of the Enterprise flying through space, shots of the Doomsday Machine, the damaged constellation. Uh, they even changed the transporter effect a little bit, and it, it's pretty cool. I, I think I could definitely see Paramount Pictures releasing again another version of the original Star Trek series with some changed special effects. Now, before all the Star Trek purists, and I'm kind of one of them actually, start to get crazy out there, I mean, the, the original series has been released at least now twice fully on DVD. They had individual ones, or, or I should say they had... The first time they released the DVDs, they came out like two episodes per DVD. And then about a year or maybe more ago, they released those individual box sets of each season, one through three of the original series. So you can go out and buy uh, very good quality uh, original TOS episodes now on DVD. And if they did ever enhance all the effects of the episodes and release them again on DVD, you still have the originals available if you want those. But this could definitely be a way to, to generate some interest in Star Trek, generate some interest in the original series. And the interesting thing I thought while I was watching this thing, it, it was only about five or maybe six, maybe a little bit longer minutes. It's not, not that long. But the, it didn't really jar, you know, the, the, the better or more enhanced effects, and then they would cut back to, like, scenes on the bridge and things like that. It was uh, It was pretty well done. It wasn't like you felt like you were watching some some you know scene that was just sort of dropped in and you got this sort of like oh now they're back to the old footage and now they're to the new they they really blended it well and i think part of it is he keeps the effects not not too really you know i how am i going to describe this it's not like star wars it's not like the enterprise is flying around like like an x-wing or something like that i mean they keep it sort of in the same style and movements and things as the old series, the the way the Enterprise looks, the camera angle viewing the Enterprise, uh, it's hard for me to describe without you actually seeing it, but it's not so jarring of an effect when you see the the new graphics and then they go to the, to the footage from the episode. So uh, definitely go out and take a look for it. It's on YouTube, like I said, uh, Star Trek Enhanced 2.0, I think is what it's called. Take a look and, and, and let me know what you think. And the last, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is, of course, this weekend is the out in California. They're having the, the, the annual Comic Con is going on with lots of neat announcements about upcoming sci-fi projects, comic things. They're, uh, they've got uh, many, many actors out there. I guess the, a lot of the cast of the next Spider-Man or all the Spider-Man movies really uh, is out there. Spider-Man 3. Sam Raimi showed some footage, I guess, from Spider-Man. Uh, Brian Singer, who directed Superman Returns, is out there talking. He actually mentioned that he's definitely planning, it's not a, a done deal yet, but he's definitely planning on doing a Superman Returns sequel. And he, and he even he's quoted as saying, now I can, I've made the first one and I can, I can do another movie with Superman and get all Wrath of Khan about it. In other words, he can really get into the, uh, a neat story with some new villains and that he doesn't have to do so much of an intro type story. He can, he can really, really get some, some cool stuff going. So I, I really liked, you know, he's a Star Trek fan. He actually was, I think he pops up as a cameo. He has a small cameo, I think, in Star Trek Nemesis, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me on that. Check IMDB out. But I think, yeah, Brian Singer had a cameo in, in some uh, one of the Star Trek films, I believe. 
So he's a pretty big Star Trek fan. Boy, that'd be cool actually with uh, to have uh, Brian Singer do a Star Trek film sometime. I'd, I'd definitely be uh, be up for that. So, so lots of cool things going on at Comic Con. I, I know our uh, one of our longtime fan listeners, uh, who, who's an active member or moderator on the forums, Kenny in California, that's called into the show several times at Comic Con. So I'm hoping to get some info from him and see some things on the forums uh, on the website soon about what what's going on out there and. Uh, Kenny, if you, when you listen to this episode, I hope you're having a good time at Comic-Con, and I, I want to hear all about it from you. Maybe we'll have to Skype sometimes. So uh, so that's going on. And I think that's uh, that's about all the sci-fi news I wanted to talk about for right now. Uh, I think that covers and catches uh, us up a bit. And let's shift gears and get into the main topic, which is going to be uh, sci-fi TV from the past. All right, I think this is the uh, third go-round I've done with uh, talking about sci-fi TV shows from uh, from the past that I've enjoyed, and, and there's just so many of them to talk about. It's it's I could do one of these shows almost every week about sci-fi TV that I've enjoyed over the over the many years that I've been watching uh, well watching sci-fi TV. Uh, oh, you know, something just popped into my mind I wanted to mention. Sorry for the, the brief interlude, in, you know, interruption. But I, I want to mention that I finished on my, actually on my trip, that I finished the book Aragon, which is sort of a fantasy book about dragons and, and that kind of stuff, which which I really enjoy also. And I wanted to just mention that this is a great book. And, and I'm really, uh, really happy that I had a chance to finish and read it uh, because there's going to be a film coming out this fall. I think November or December, uh, based on the book, based on Aragon. And it was written by a real young guy at the time. I think he was 14 or 15 when he wrote it. And he's written a follow-up called Eldest, and I think he's working on one more. But sorry for the brief interlude from the sci-fi TV segment. But I just wanted to mention that uh, definitely if you're into or you like stories about dragons and and magic and that kind of thing. It was a great adventure, a great book to read, real easy, real fast reading, and I can't recommend it enough. I thought it was really well done, especially considering the age of the guy when he wrote this thing. I mean, it's it's a great book, and go out and uh, pick it up. i, I got to pick up the next one now. I'm really anxious to see how the story goes on and progresses. But And I would definitely suggest, if you, if you like that kind of thing and want to read the book, try to pick it up and read it before the movie comes out. And... Because the movie, I've seen a few clips from it, and it looks looks like it's going to be really well done. So, so there we go. Aragon, go take go take um, take a drive over to the bookstore and pick it up. Okay, now back to back to the sci-fi TV. Sorry about that interruption, but I want I know I wanted to mention something about that book before uh, before I forgot in this show. The um, anyway, sci-fi TV. Yes, we will uh, be covering four shows this this uh, podcast. Four shows that I've enjoyed, and we will be starting, the way we're going to do this is the way I've done it before. I'm going to start off with, I'm going to play the music, uh, sort of the, uh, what, what I call the, the theme to the to the TV show. You know, that's the little uh, music interlude with the actor names and all that kind of junk they show at the beginning of a uh, television show. And I'm going to play that, uh, the first one, right now. Those who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans. 
Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. for uh, some of these slightly older uh, not and I'm definitely one of those if you um, if you recognize that that of course is the theme to the original Battlestar Galactica of course from the from the 1970s I think first premiered in 1978 with a, uh, a hugely expensive uh, television movie and then went on to having only really one season on the air on I believe it was on ABC. And, you know, this this show was basically, I'll just come out and say it, it was pretty much a direct ripoff on Star Wars. You had uh, the hotshot fighter pilots, you had the sort of a mythology thing going on, and you had lasers, and even the, the effects, uh, John Dykstra, who did a lot of the effects and was basically heading up the effects team on the first Star Wars film, was, was tapped to do the effects for Battlestar Galactica. So there's a definitely a huge uh, amount of influence on the the show from Star Wars, and if, you know, for for people like me at the time when Star Wars we only had the first movie and it was such a huge a huge success, it was it was pretty obvious that somebody needed to capitalize on that. And there were a lot of movies that came out with similar uh, similar things, and, and then of course you had like I said, Battlestar Galactica came out, which uh, you know you got a weekly dose of sort of your sort of this swashbuckling sci-fi space opera, you know, is the way it's kind of described, where it's not really science factual, it's more of a, you know, Buck Rogers and, and, you know, swashbuckling time and space with spaceships that fly like uh, airplanes, and, you know, the bad guys were the robot creatures called the Cylons, and they, they basically tried to wipe out humanity, and that's sort of like the Empire was in, in you know in Star Wars, and then you have the the sort of rebel fleet or the the band of humans that are left that set off on this great adventure to find Earth, and uh, it was a great show, a lot of fun, and and I never missed it. Uh, it was just uh, really really fun, and it's out on DVD now. And now the um, the thing I have to say is this is if you've seen the new Galactica, but you've never seen the original Galactica. They're completely different shows. There are things that are similar in terms of uh, the way the ships look a little bit, the character names and that, and then, of course, you have the robotic Cylon race that's trying to wipe out humanity. But at that point, pretty much the two shows are completely different. I mean, the new the new Galactica is, is they try to be a lot more gritty and military-like, I think, and more 
I'll call it sort of realistic. And it's definitely sort of a stronger show, sort of almost a little bit, uh, not nearly as lighthearted as the original Galactica. But I, I would definitely still, if you watch the, if you go back and watch the original Galactica now, it's not even, you don't even really see that, you don't even really feel that it's the same show as the new Galactica. They're almost that, they're really that different. They're completely different shows. But it's it's still a really fun show to watch. I mean, it's sort of corny and. You know, that you have to sort of, uh, you kind of groan at a few things that happen in the show. But there's some really good episodes in there. And, you know, they have a whole cool uh, couple multi-parter with the, uh, the Battlestar Pegasus that shows up, which they sort of did on the New Galactica also. And Lloyd Bridges is the commander of that Battlestar, uh, the Battlestar Pegasus. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's really cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me, I just crunched in the mic. I'll try to edit that out. If I don't, I apologize. Um, what else about the original Galactica? You know, the Cylons on the new Galactica have been able to make themselves look like humans, but the, the old Galactica, that was never the case. They were always these silver, chrome-plated robot things that couldn't move real fast, they couldn't shoot real well, they had a the little red flashy eye thing going. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Galactica people really had no trouble mowing them down, whether it was in a ship-to-ship fight or whether they were shooting their, their blasters at them. So uh, so it was never too much of a contest. The, the, the thing that they always do in these shows is the way they deal with it is there's just a huge overwhelming numbers of Cylons, you know, versus a very small group of humans fighting them. They, they're, not, they're not better pilots. They're not any really all that good, but they try to win through numbers. So, uh, But, it, you know, it starred Dirk Benedict uh, as Starbuck and Richard Hatch as Apollo and... Commander Adama was played by Lauren Green, you know, the classic father figure. So really, uh, really fun show. And if you haven't had a chance to see the original Galactica, definitely pick it up, uh, rent it, or buy the set. Uh, take a look. It's, it's a lot of fun. Okay, so that's, uh, I think that pretty well covers Galactica. And I, I just uh, really thought that was a fun show, really good show. And, and they did a sort of a follow-up, I thought I'd say, talk a little bit about called Galactica 1980, which uh, is probably best forgotten. Not not all that good, had a whole new cast, and it's um, not really worth talking about, probably. Let's move on to another uh, cool show. This is also from about the same time frame and era, late 1970s, early 80s. I believe, and different network, and also sort of in the the same swashbuckling outer space space opera kind of uh, motif. So here's the uh, the intro theme to that show. Listen to this. The year is 1987, and NASA launches the last of America's deep space probes. In a freak mishap, Ranger 3 and its pilot, Captain William Buck Rogers, are blown out of their trajectory into an orbit which freezes his life support systems and returns Buck Rogers to Earth 500 years later.
Yes, well, that one's pretty easy to figure out because they kind of talk through uh, through it, but that is the theme to uh, the, the TV show Buck Rogers, starring Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray as Captain Buck Rogers. And Aaron Gray was uh, William, Willem, or I'm sorry, Wilma, William, Wilma Deering. Uh, it was, uh, this was another fun show, another uh, kind of, eh, sort of a, a a take off a little bit on Star Wars. You know, Star Wars was very influenced by the old time movie serials, uh, the Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon things, and of course, this is being Buck Rogers. Star Wars influencing uh, or being influenced and created uh, with a lot of Buck Roger type elements. Well, here is the original Buck Rogers. So I don't know which one influenced what, but you know the 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 sort of you know gun on your hip and flying in a little spaceship and shooting bad guys is very Star Wars, very Buck Rogers, and Buck Rogers did it pretty well. I mean, this uh, this was a, a, a fish-out-of-water kind of story. I mean, you have Buck Rogers that, that wakes up 500 years in the future. Everything, of course, is really different, and sort of the ongoing theme was, was you know, Buck tried to sort of buck the system a little bit and, and bring some, you know, 20th, uh, 20th century influences to the future, and, you know, people in the future were kind of, uh, you know, well, they they weren't all that much fun anymore, and Buck always tried to you know you know put on some strange music and get everyone to dance around and things. I remember even that I saw the original. Uh, they did a uh, just like sort of uh, Battlestar Galactica did. They did a uh, a movie version, a first uh, movie version that was in the theaters actually uh, for Buck Rogers, and I remember actually going out with my brother to see the original Buck Rogers movie in the movie theater, which was slightly different than the, the TV version of it. But they did, uh, they had two uh, two seasons, Buck Rogers had two seasons, uh, which so they lasted a little longer than uh, a little longer than Galactic. I believe Buck Rogers, I think it was on NBC, where Galactica was on ABC. And I think Buck Rogers started about a year or so after Galactica. So Galactica was kind of gone, and then Buck Rogers popped on. Uh, so, uh, But this was a fun show. You had a little robot guy named Tweaky, which is sort of like the little sidekick robot, almost like an R2-D2 for Buck, who always talked like this, Buck, Buck, and uh, was uh, was sort of the humorous sidekick element, kind of like R2 on, in Star Wars a little bit. But, you know, Buck would each week solve something, you know, problem going on. And the second season was quite a bit different than the first. The first season was a little more solid action-adventure. But the second season, they went out on this ship, sort of like an explorer ship, and went out in further into the galaxy. I'm, I'm trying to recall. I think there was some over overriding reason that they were doing that. They were searching for something, I believe, if I remember. I'm, I'm a little hazy on it right now. It's been a while since I've seen it, even though I did... Uh, not too long ago, pick up the DVD set. They have uh, a, a full Buck Rogers DVD set out, which contains the whole run, both seasons. And that, again, you can catch up on on this old uh, old show from, gosh, it's now it's over 20, 25 years old. But it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, these shows, I've said before on other shows, other podcasts, the, the, these are simpler shows. I mean, the, the, the sci-fi shows now, like Galactica, the new Galactica, SG-1, Atlantis, they're much more complex, much more complicated and and involved. And, and, and this uh, these older shows, there's sort of a charm to them that's hard to describe, and I, I still enjoy it. Uh, much simpler, you know, much easier to see who's the bad guy, who's the good guy. There isn't it's it's a little more black and white where where the shows in on you know the new Galactica especially 
even the good guys have a lot of faults, have a lot of problems, and are are, are a lot more. There's a lot more gray area and a lot more uh, overlap. You know, the good guys are the bad guys sometimes, and the bad guys are sometimes the good guys on on the new shows, the newer sci-fi crop of shows where. The older ones, it, it wasn't like that. I mean, there the really was uh, the good guys and the bad guys. And, you know, just like old westerns, it was pretty easy to see who was who. So, uh, But, again, great show, a lot of fun. Uh, some people think these things are just, you know, they, they grown now and wonder why they ever watched them. But I, I, I just, I freely admit it. I think they were fun, and, and, I, and I still like to pull them out and watch them now and then. So, so definitely another fun show from that time frame, and if you're a younger listener especially, sometimes these things have gotten rerun on the Sci-Fi Channel, the old uh, Galactica, and the old Buck Rogers. Sometimes they pop up on there, but again, the wonderful form of, of DVD and all these TV shows coming out on DVD makes it a, you know possible for you to just pop one in anytime you'd like. So Buck Rogers, another fun show from, from the past. Oh, one thing I also in the news, sci-fi news area that I forgot to mention, let's just slide it in here because uh, this this show is a little, you know, I'm a little out of practice. It's been a couple of weeks since I podcast, but I, I watched the first episode of this new sci-fi uh, television channel show called Eureka. They did a two-hour pilot, and it was pretty cool. I, I just, I'm not going to say too much about it. I want people, if you get a chance to see this uh Definitely take a look and check it out. It's uh, Like I said, they just started this on the Sci-Fi Channel, at least in the States. So if you get a chance, check out Eureka. I believe it's going to be showing on uh, regularly time, uh, at least in the States, uh, on Tuesday evenings, Tuesdays at 9 uh, Eastern time. So check out Eureka. Okay, the next uh, the next show I wanted to mention, this this next show is, is not yet out on DVD, although I believe it is coming out relatively soon, maybe in 2007, I'm not sure. I've heard reports it's, going, it's definitely being worked on and going to come out soon. This show was more in the 90s. Uh, I believe it was broadcast in the early 90s, early to mid-90s. It ran kind of sporadically for a couple of years. Uh, this is more of an action-adventure type show. It's not really sci-fi uh, at all, but I, I thought it's worth mentioning, and I will play the uh, theme music to that show now. a little uh that one's a little trickier to recognize this is that was the theme music to the uh indiana jones chronicles this show ran for like i said a couple of years and i really enjoyed this show for a few few reasons one i i really of course i'm a big indiana jones fan the movies are great they're classics uh of course they keep talking they're going to make another indiana jones movie maybe uh starting late this year, early next, probably in 2007, maybe with a 2008 release or so. I think it's going to happen. I think they're getting really close to doing it, and I think, uh, you, you know, there's sort of a lot of, you know, iffiness on me of whether that's a good idea or not. I mean, the first three were so well done, but they did a TV series. George Lucas worked on this TV series where he wanted to show a young Indiana Jones 
going through a lot of adventures in a lot of different foreign countries and show kind of how he was influenced by a lot of history that was going on around him. George Lucas used this TV show basically as a way to sort of teach history to people and kids and adults and everyone and show him different periods of, you know, the early world wars uh, where young Indy would meet up with historical characters. Uh, you know, he, this guy ended up meeting up with a lot of famous people over the years. So it was uh, it was a tricky way where he could take the Indiana Jones character and, and use him as sort of a, a springboard or a way to teach people about history and show Indy in, in you know, some dangerous situations. And, and Harrison Ford actually even guest starred on one of the episodes, one of the later episodes in the uh, in the series. He had a small little cameo at the beginning uh, and I think a little tag at the end of the episode, which was uh, which was cool. That was pretty neat to see. And uh, I really enjoyed this show, just like the other ones, of course, I'm talking about. I wouldn't be talking about a show that I didn't enjoy. It was uh, it was neat to see all the different places he would visit. Uh, the way they did this show, they had two different, uh, actually three actors sort of that played Indy at different stages in his life. One was some episodes were uh, based in, and centered around Indy as a very small child. He was probably like, I'm trying to think, he was maybe 8 or 10 years old approximately. So those, those shows were, you, he, you know, you couldn't put a 10-year-old in that dangerous of a situation, although he had some, you know, fairly precarious situations occasionally. But I think more of the episodes focused on a uh, an older Indy, an Indy that was uh, a a, a young adult, you know, in his late teens, early twenties, where he had joined, uh, got involved in, I think, the Mexican Revolution, in in World War One, uh, just lots of things going on. So uh, there was a lot of different uh, storylines uh, with with that character, it, played by uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, was was playing the 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 teenage or, or young adult indie, and then they also did a. Uh, they kind of bookend the show with with an older indie, like a ninety some year old indie who was supposed to be actually still alive in the present day. He was this old grandpa looking type character with an eye patch over one eye, and he would. The episodes would sort of start out where he'd be saying, "Oh yeah, I remember when I was involved with you know Churchill, or or I remember when I met up with you know Eisenhower or something like that," and and then he would it would flash back to show what was going on. So. That was an interesting way. They didn't do that in all the episodes. They kind of phased that out. It started that way. Uh, I'm not sure how many episodes they did complete of the series. Like I said, they, it kind of ran sporadically for a couple of years. And then they kind of had some TV movies they ended the series with. Uh, but this is a great show. Uh, not, not like I said, really strictly sci-fi, but a, a great way to see different parts of the world. They did a lot of location shooting in this uh, in this series most of the stuff that they they were showing you was actually they were in the areas that they were talking about you know they didn't just do it on a lot somewhere behind you know a back lot and film it and you know the indy saw a lot got exposed to a lot of nasty things wars and 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 friends of his would get killed and that and it's uh it's definitely a good show and i think it's going to be coming out on dvd sometime fairly soon I hear they're doing a really good job. They're going to be a lot of background and historical material on the DVD sets. So this, to me, would be a great teaching tool. If you are if you would be uh, somebody who tries to teach history, I think, to uh, teenagers, especially these days, it's probably not an easy thing to uh, to teach and get them interested in. They're probably more interested in you know the latest video or the latest video game or, or whatever that's going on or television or movie rather than history. History was always, I think, uh, a hard subject for uh for teachers to get 
kids involved in. And I think this would be a great way to, a great tool to, to show an episode or two of these occasionally when it would be appropriate. So, uh, so for the teachers out there listening, uh, if you happen to be a history teacher, keep that in mind. So, so there's, uh, there's our third show for this week's lineup on, on, well, kind of quote unquote sci-fi TV. I just wanted to throw young Indian because of the talk of another Indiana Jones movie. And, uh, it was just a show that I enjoyed got one more show here to talk about uh this one was a was a definitely a, kind of a cult favorite never was really popular in the ratings but i enjoyed it i think it lasted a total of three seasons and uh here's the t- tv theme music song to that show here we go Yes, that was the music to the the teen uh, sci-fi TV show Roswell, which ran uh, three seasons, I think, completely. And it was uh, this this to me again another good show. Like I said, I'm I'm talking about, of course, shows that I enjoyed and that I think were good. And I think Roswell, out of the lineup for for this week on this podcast, is probably the most maybe overlooked. Although it was a more recent show, so maybe a more people out there that are listening to the podcast have seen this one, maybe more than the, like the older Galactica or older Buck Rogers, but it, it never really did very well in the ratings. But I, I never really understood that. I, I thought it had all the elements to 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 really a, a good show. It had the the teen drama thing going on, but of course the twist on that was that some of the teens the on the show, some of the teenagers on the show, the characters were were aliens. They were supposed to be the the you know the aliens that had crashed uh, down in uh, in Roswell, New Mexico, and somehow survived, and now were teenagers uh, living there. It was uh, it ran for like I said three years, and they they went all kinds of uh, ways with the storyline. Uh, there were some bad aliens that would come and were trying to to take you know take them out, and the the quest for the overall kind of thing for the show was that they were from this distant planet and they were trying to get back there it, it, it this one is probably more difficult for me to describe than any of the other shows that i've talked about this week just because there's a lot of little different things going on in each episode there was sort of a love story overall going on in the show um but i thought they really did a good job with the plots the actors were great uh and i think a lot of the actors especially on this show i think are gonna end up having really good long careers one of them the the one female uh on the the show of the aliens her name was isabel on the show that that actor actress i should say is now a a lead on that gray's anatomy show i'm trying to think of i'm blanking out on what her uh her real name is uh you gotta love the uh, internet her name is uh katherine heigl i'm not sure if i'm saying that uh that name correctly but uh she's now on that gray's anatomy tv show which i've i've caught a little bit of that i've never really watched it steadily 
So the the actors really really good. Uh, there was a sheriff that, it, of course, at first was sort of trying to figure out if these people were really aliens, these teenagers, and eventually he's kind of their enemy, and and things change on the show. I don't want to give away too much if you haven't seen it. This show is also um, it's got a lot of great music in it, and it's like I said, this one's out on DVD now. The the sad thing a little bit about it is that. They had to take a lot of the music on it, like they use on the TV show. This is this show is very similar to the TV show Smallville, where you have a, a show about teenagers, where they use a lot of popular music on it. But unfortunately, with Roswell, they had to change some of it. They didn't have the music rights to to use that music on the when they released the DVD. So, I think they had to replace. I think on all the seasons, maybe not the first one. I'm not sure. Check the. Uh, this, there's usually a sticker or something on the box if you're really curious, but they had to replace some of the music on the show with different music, and it's it's kind of puts me off. I really enjoyed the music when the you know the original series aired and what they used for the different episodes, and it's kind of annoyed me a little bit to the point where I haven't actually picked up the DVDs for Roswell, even though I loved the show and thought it was a great great job that they did with it, and you know they had the government sort of pursuing them, trying to discover them that these aliens and, and learn about them and sort of sort of a little bit of an X-Files-ish thing going on. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a good show, really well done. I think it was definitely under, definitely underrated and overlooked sci-fi TV show from uh, the relatively recent past. This Roswell is an, also another one where they, they, it gets occasionally rerun on the sci-fi channel, so you can check it out there. But uh, it's, and I think when they show it on TV, I think they're allowed to use the original episodes, the original music in them. So so that's one way to see the original versions uh, of Roswell. So there you have it. There's my lineup of shows for this week. Uh, Galactica, the original Galactica, Buck Rogers from, from that time, from the 70s, 80s, uh, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and, of course, Roswell here at the end. Uh, all, all really fun, good shows to watch, solid shows and uh, things that i miss seeing each week and but with the magic of dvd they're always available right yeah. i'm going to take a quick break and i'm going to come back about a, uh, and talk about a new collectible that i actually just pulled out of the box yesterday so here we we'll come back and talk a few minutes about that and wrap things up okay i'm back uh the uh, Comic-Con out in California this weekend, they're announcing all kinds of new new collectibles. Just amazing stuff. Oh, they're going to make a Sideshow Toys is going to make a a full-size, one-to-one scale C-3PO and R2-D2 from Star Wars. How about that, huh? I wonder how much those are going to cost. Uh, just lots of cool things they're announcing out there this this weekend. I'll probably talk about those again on a, on a future podcast. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll get a Wednesday show in this week or next weekend's show. I'll, I'll talk about some of the announcements and and stuff that's more of the things going on in comic-con and and hey kenny send me an email let me know what you find out but this week's collectible that i wanted to talk about is also from sideshow toys this is the the exclusive version which is a little different than the general version this is the seven of nine um i guess you call it a statue replica from seven of you know, of seven of nine from uh, Star Trek Voyager this is in a it's done in a one 
one fourth scale, one quarter scale, I guess you could call it. Uh, and it's it's really a tall piece. Let me just uh, sideshow made two different versions of this. Let's just start with that. Uh, they made you know if you remember uh, Seven of Nine and, and the Star Trek fans, of course, that listen to this podcast know, of course, that she was in a sort of a silver jumpsuit for most of the time, most of the show, and later on, I think she had a couple of different colored outfits. She sort of had a a burgundy, two different shades, I think. She sort of had a reddish burgundy outfit and then a dark brown kind of outfit, if I remember correctly. Uh, the the Sideshow does these exclusives where they produce a, a, a product or a replica or whatever, and they have a sort of a limited version of it in a slightly different take on it. Like it'll include some different accessories. Maybe there's a slightly different look. Well, the the version I got of this statue is seven of nine in this sort of red burgundy kind of outfit uh, that she wore in the series in Voyager sometimes. So not in her normal silver spacesuit, but uh, in the in the red one. And there were only 200 of these made. And I got actually kind of lucky because I, I didn't get a chance to, to order this when it was first released and came out. But Sideshow does this cool thing where you can be put on a waiting list. And what I have found with Sideshow especially, and Master Replicas, I don't think they do uh, waiting lists, but what what happens with Sideshow is a lot of people will, when something's first up for pre-order, will go in there and click, 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 click and order the thing. But a lot of them will just do that you know, initially, and then they end up canceling the order or their credit cards are denied or something like that happens. So what you do is if you see something that's uh, not available maybe, but it hasn't been released yet, get yourself, you can sort of order it, which when you order it then you get put on this waiting list. And then what happens if you're lucky, like I was with this, you get a uh, an email some, at some point in the future where it says, hey, due to canceled orders, your your waiting list spot has now been filled and you will now get one of these items, which is a really cool thing, especially kind of considering this one, there's only 200 of these made. And I, I was actually kind of surprised because, like I said, I missed the I missed the order initially. It got sold out pretty quickly. This this exclusive version, and then uh, then I got an email a week or two ago that said, "Hey, you're you're, you're you got a spot," and then they shipped it right after that. So uh, it's pretty neat. It's it's uh, they did a great job with this piece. Let's just say that up front. Uh, the they have the. Uh, the outfit that she's wearing is actually not like painted on. It's it's actual fabric, and they did a really good job. The fabric has the the same kind of look as as the outfit did on the show. The the way it's I don't know what it, what do you call it the the way it's sort of knitted together and and the the, the way the cloth is is made is looks very similar to the way it did on the show to me at least. The, the likeness is really well done. I believe uh, that they did a great job with with capturing her likeness. Uh, Jerry Ryan, who played Seven of Nine, they did a great job with that. It, it's a very tall piece. It's like 18 inches tall, 19 inches tall, give or take, with the base. Um, and I, I, like I said, I, I took several pictures of this. It's up on the gallery. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll link it up in the podcast notes also. Um, but I'm really, really pleased with it. It's, it's. They did a really, really good job with this. I. The size is just a little bit hard to deal with. If you're somebody who buys things like this and then puts them in cabinets and that, I'm finding it's it's. I'm gonna have to find a special spot or a special cabinet for this thing because the this 19, 20 inch tall statue. Most statues that I pick up are usually about a foot tall, roughly, give or take. Um, maybe even a little smaller sometimes. But this one is just really, really big. It's it's 
it's so much bigger than the other statues that I've gotten. Uh, it's it's going to be a trick to figure out uh, some place to keep it in a cabinet where it'll stay kind of clean and dust free, which is going to be important, I think, in the long run. With the 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 outfit, I think could could attract dust and and things like that. But anyway, let's get back to the item itself. Uh, the likeness is great. The pose is is, is pretty good, I think. Um, they did a did a real good job with it. I, I don't know really what else to say. I mean, this is a statue. The likeness is good. If you say the the likeness is good, that's that's most of the battle right there, I guess. Uh, and I don't know if Sideshow's going to be doing it. They did a couple of uh, other Star Trek statues. I believe they did a Kirk and Spock in this size and scale. I didn't pick those up because I have a I have a couple of statues already. I have a good Kirk one that I like and. And, and I think I, I just didn't, I don't know, didn't didn't pick up the Kirk and Spock they did from a few months ago. Maybe I'll pick them up sometime on eBay uh, now that I'm a little more interested after getting this, seven, this great 7 of 9 uh, piece. So uh, these things are still available on eBay, of course, although they're marked up a bit on eBay. I, I noticed that this is going for like 100, 100 or 125 more dollars than I paid for it on eBay already. Uh, it's uh, because it's so exclusive. I got actually number twenty-eight out of two hundred, which which was kind of cool. I thought uh, that was neat. They didn't actually even make very many of the silver outfit ones. I think they made two hundred of the of the burgundy colored outfit for her and for this piece. And then I think they only made five hundred, maybe, of the silver one. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure exactly, but they didn't make very many of these at all. And they're all I think sold out right now. So if you're interested in this item, check check eBay. Or, hey, get yourself thrown on a waiting list on, on Sideshow. It's still possible. I'll put a link to them uh, on the podcast notes. So I think that's uh, that's just about all I wanted to say about the statue. Looks looks like they did a great job. Sideshow Toys is just really, really doing a great job with everything they're coming out with. And they're, uh, they're just coming out with so much good stuff, I don't know if I can keep up. So uh, let's uh, take a quick break here, and then I'll wrap up the show. Rico has the best sci-fi and Star Trek information on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Well, folks, here we are with the end of uh, show number 64, yes, uh, and it's it's been good. It's been a lot of fun. Been a been a good time to uh, podcast again. I, I missed it, actually, when I was overseas, and it's uh, it's great to uh, to be at it again, and I, and I hope, uh, hope everyone uh, didn't miss the show too much. Uh, only really missed one one week, really, not counting the Wednesday shows that I do periodically. So not too bad, I think. A lot of times, most podcasts I'm noticing for the summer are, are missing a week or two. Just people take vacations. Things are, you know, there's more activity going on, I think. But anyway, I'm back, and for the foreseeable future, you should be getting a show at least every weekend and sometimes on Wednesday. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening, everyone. I really appreciate, of course, any email you'd like to send, treksf at gmail.com. Send me some comments about, you know, maybe something you'd like to hear on the show, some episode of Star Trek I haven't covered yet, uh, or just your general comments. Send me an email. I always like to get the email, and really, really fun to hear from the listeners out there. Next week's show, next weekend's show, I am probably most likely 99% sure right now I'm going to do a uh, original TOS episode. Not sure. i got a got a couple ideas of ones I want to hit, um, but uh, that's probably what next weekend's show will be. I may do something this Wednesday. That's, uh, that's a distinct possibility, but if I don't, I will talk to you definitely next weekend. And until then, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for taking uh, an hour or more out of your day for uh, listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. This is Rico uh, saying bye-bye for now. Everyone take care. Have a great week. Talk to you again. 
This has been a Rick Dusty production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.